This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to John, the fifth chapter. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and so Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called in Hebrew Bethsaida, which has five porticos, and in those porticos laid many invalids, blind and lame and paralyzed. And one man who was there had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there for such a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred, and and while I'm making my way, someone else always steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, walk. And at once the man was made well. And he took up his mat and he began to walk. Now that day was a Sabbath. Holy wisdom, holy word. Please be seated. Been treated all week long to some amazing preaching at Trinity Seminary, Nelson Trout Lectures, one of my mentors, one of the best preachers I think in America, Otis Moss. Spent a whole week feeling inadequate to the task. Standing out in the narthex, the president of the seminary says to me, you got a word from the Lord today? I'm like, oh no. (laughs) We're in the 16th chapter of Acts. It's post-resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It's post-ascension of Jesus into heaven. It's post the Holy Spirit being showered on the world at Pentecost. It's post even Paul's dramatic conversion on the road to Damascus. And at the point of the church's history, um, it's growing, it's growing. Uh, It's growing in Jerusalem and in Israel under the leadership of Peter. We talked about some of that last week. But it's also growing in what is known as Asia Minor under the leadership of this new disciple, Paul. Paul and a partner, Silas, have been traveling in what is now Syria and Turkey. And they've been to a bunch of little cities, Derby and Lystra and Iconium. And when they're in Iconium, they pick up a third person. That person's name is Timothy. And Aphromans, if you are listening to this story in a different way, there are three of them. Three of them. And they're doing exactly what you're doing. They're telling people about the Lord they know, the love of God they know, the Jesus who's risen from the dead. And God is about to use those three people to literally change the world. Story begins at night in a town called Troas, seaport city in what is now known as Turkey, on the west of Turkey. And Paul has a dream. In the dream, a man appears to him and says, come over here to Macedonia and help us. Now, Paul is now at this point in his life attuned to dreams. The last time God spoke to him like that, God smote him blind on the road to Damascus until finally he woke up and saw the light. 
So when God speaks to them in a dream this time, the first thing they do is go down to the dock and get on a ship and they cross the sea to a little town in Greece that is called Philippi. It's now in the part of Greece very close to Bulgaria. You, you can visit there. Uh, much later from this text, Paul will write them a letter. There's a book in the Bible, that Paul's letter to the Philippians. But at this point, there is no church in Philippi. And there, there are no Christians in Philippi. Mark Antony did some famous stuff there. Uh, conquered Cassius, uh, defeated Brutus in Philippi. It was a Greek city that became a, a Roman colony. Uh, the Roman Empire controls it at this point in history by, by taking the people who defeated and crushed the people who lived there and saying, okay, it's yours now. Here's a land grant. You conquered it. You can have it. Do whatever you want. Send us the taxes back. Let me sure I bring that together. Up until this moment, The story of Jesus' resurrection from the dead has been in Asia Minor. But in this text, it has crossed the Aegean Sea and is now in Europe for the first time. Sabbath comes. There's no synagogue in Philippi. You can't build a synagogue unless there are 12 male Jews, and there aren't in Philippi. It's a Greco-Roman colony. So when Paul and Timothy and Silas, they want to go to worship, there's nowhere for them to go. There is no community to worship with. Let me take a moment there. For, uh, this summer's around the corner. Our Life Passage team's working on this crazily amazing thing. Going to send everybody home with a, a kit this summer to, to take Jesus with you wherever you go and whatever you do. And I love that, but we're commanded to keep the Sabbath. And a little kit in the car by yourself ain't the same as gathering with the community to go to church. When I was a kid, and, and this ain't pretty, but when I was a kid, we had to go to church. We had to go to a Lutheran church, not just a Lutheran church. It had to be the right kind of Lutheran church. And we had to take a bulletin. We had to bring it back to prove that we had gone to the right kind of Lutheran church so that we could get our perfect attendance pins. Now, that's law. And it's gone with the wind the way it should be. But... Let's don't throw it all down the drain. Worshiping when you travel in a different place, in a different community, reinforces a core value of the people of God that we gather to worship and praise on a regular basis on the Sabbath. And maybe even more important, it reminds you that the church is bigger than you and bigger than even your great church, your desires, the way you do it. There's another way to do it. There's a big church out there for which we rejoice. At any rate, that's what's going on with Paul and Silas and Timothy. They're committed to worshiping on Sabbath. They get that much, but there's nowhere for them to worship. So, I don't think there was a concierge. I don't know how they knew this, but they, they heard that there were some women worshiping down by the river, and so they go down by the river. Make sure you get this part. A man comes to Paul in a dream and asks for help. And Paul interprets that to be the Holy Spirit. And when he gets there, it's not a man. It's a group of women. Faithful women. Not Christian. They don't even know the name of Jesus. But faithful and praying. That's really interesting. Until now, Peter and Paul and really the whole church are rearranging the chairs on the Titanic by arguing about what kind of men should be included in the kingdom of Jesus. 
Peter thinks that all of them have to be circumcised. Paul doesn't really think that. Poor Timothy gets stuck in the middle of the crossfire. When he comes to faith, Paul insists that he gets circumcised. Not so that he can share with people who haven't heard, but so he can go back and talk to the home church in Jerusalem. Crazy. And all of that, by the way, is connected to why some traditions still have only male pastors and priests. But this is a group of women. And 2,000 years later, that might not seem like such a big deal, but it's a big deal. The first witnesses to the resurrection, and I would submit not by accident, were women. Women ministered with Jesus, to Jesus, and were ministered to by Jesus. We know their names. Mary Magdalene, Mary, Martha, Joanne, Simone. Last week we heard another, Tabitha, Dorcas. And we're about to learn another one. One of the women praying down at the river is named Lydia. Lydia. And she is a Gentile, of course. There's no mention of a husband, a father, a child. That's not the way it was done in the ancient world. This is a fully independent woman. She's a business person, also rare in the ancient world. She's good at it. She's made some money. She sells purple to wealthy people. That's the only people who could afford purple. And not to miss the obvious in this text, she is a she. She's a woman. By Jewish law and their whole blood phobia uncleanness, which made her unclean every month and unable to be part of the community for at least eight to ten days. And the writer of the Acts of the Apostle describes a miracle in this small sentence. The Lord opened Lydia's heart to respond to the message of Jesus. Wow. I want to let that sink in again because that's what we have been watching here at Lord of Life Church in the lives of three young people. The Lord has opened the hearts of Katie and Abby and Cameron to respond to the message of God's good news in Jesus. And Lydia is their spiritual ancestor. And not only does Lydia believe, um, she brings her whole household. Um, husband, children, no mention of that, so maybe, maybe not. Maybe we're talking about her servants or her employees or her business partners, maybe. Or maybe we're talking about the, the women that she works with or that she sings with or that she plays with or that she prays with. But maybe we're just talking about her, her social network, her whole household. That's the catch-all phrase. What we do know is that Lydia, she tells them what Paul and Silas and Timothy told her that there was this man named Jesus who came practicing and preaching wholeness and peace for all people, goodwill to all, but they killed him. They crucified him. But he didn't stay dead. He got out of the grave. And because that happened and he ascended into heaven, all of his promises can be trusted and we can actually have hope. Hope that doesn't just last for a while because you can't kill it, but eternal hope. And Lydia can't help but tell others, and she brings them all down to the water, probably right at the river where they have been praying all along, and she and in her entire circle of friends 
are baptized into the body of Christ. And Lydia, Saint Lydia, is the first European baptized believer in the body of Christ. She is your spiritual grandmother. And there's a lot more. I want to walk as a child of the light. I want to follow Jesus. Don't think for a minute that Lydia got baptized because she was afraid of going to hell. Don't think for a minute that Lydia got baptized because it was the right intellectual decision. Don't think for a minute that it was about getting splashed or submitting to some doctrine or dogma of the church that didn't even exist at that point. It wasn't about that. It was about walking as a child of a light, about wanting to follow Jesus. It was about a new life lived for God and with God. It is not business as usual for Lydia. It's not an insurance policy for someday and to be by and by. It is right now. So she decides she's going to take up her cross and she's going to enter into this covenant with God. And it's a promise that's going to be sealed with the water of baptism. And from that point on, she's going to serve Jesus with all that she is and all that she has. And I can picture them singing, I want to follow Jesus. She wants to be part of the team of Jesus, of the mission. She wants to join Paul and Silas and Timothy in their mission, in their ministries. She wants them to all come, come to her house. She, she wants to learn everything she can about this Jesus, the, her new Lord Jesus. The Bible doesn't even exist at that point. She just wants them to tell them, tell me every story you know about my Lord Jesus. She wants to feed them and support them and pray for them and serve with them. She wants to share her stuff. She wants to share her home. She wants to share herself. She wants to share everything that she has. She knows she's gifted. She knows she's got skills. She knows she's wealthy. She knows she's a community organizer. She wants to use her gifts to follow Jesus. And here comes the ugliness. They don't want to go to her house. Because she's a woman. That is how racism and sexism and xenophobism works. It's a wall. It's a division. It separates people. We've lived there for so long that we can't see the trees because of the forest. We think that's the way it's always been, the way it's supposed to be, but it's not. And as long as you keep your faith up here and make it about a stay finally way out there somewhere, and you don't bring it down here, Walls never come tumbling down. And there will always be someone who wants to build a new wall. Paul described himself as the Jew of all Jews. Quite likely he has never before met, much less been in the home of a wealthy, worldly, confident, skilled woman. And she has to convince Paul, one of the great teachers of the church, and three other men. If you consider me a believer, she says, it's a very tight argument, if you consider me a believer, then you come to my house. Notice, please, that Paul doesn't try with Lydia any of that women be silent stuff that he dumps on the Corinthians. Notice that he doesn't try any of the, I don't permit a woman to teach a man stuff that he teaches Timothy. 
Let's tell the truth, he's already being schooled by Lydia. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she says, and right then, right there, Paul does. It's right there in verse 15. Let me make sure I get it right, because I really don't like the way it's written. And she prevailed upon us. (laughs) New International Version, a hundred times better. She persuaded us. Been nice if you have admitted that the Holy Spirit had something to do with that. A Gentile woman not only teaches Paul something, imagine that, but she becomes at that moment a full partner in the ministry of Jesus in the world. And there's more, so much more. At the end of this story, after this lesson, some 40 verses from now, when Paul and Silas get out of jail, let me stop for there for a moment, because it breaks my heart. Katie and Abby and Cameron, there's a place in our confirmation liturgy today when we say, give them patience in suffering. There are still people going to jail for justice and loving their neighbors. And there are still people going to jail all over the world for saying Jesus loves everybody. Well, they throw Paul and Silas in jail for talking about Jesus. Don't think that doesn't happen all over the world. But when they're praying and singing in their cells, and I would just make sure you understand, where did they learn to pray and sing? Might have been a church somewhere. In the middle of the night, they're praying and singing, and miraculously, the doors pop open. Even the jailer converts that night. He brings his whole household. They all get baptized in Philippi. And when they get out of jail, finally out this traumatic, mysterious Holy Spirit moment, when they get out of jail, the very first place they go to is the house of Lydia. Lydia. The first thing that they do is hook back up with this new church, a brand new church that's reaching out to its neighbors that is meeting in the house of Lydia. Now, I have a hunch that you didn't come to hear that story as great and as foundational as it is. In fact, you're probably wondering when I'm going to sit down and let the confirmand say something. In a moment, in a moment. First, a nod to our spiritual heritage. This is our history, our holy history. A history of welcome, of inclusion, a legacy of commitment and passion and discipleship. A history of adaptation and change. We call it the gospel history. A God that opened the doors for every one of us. Men and women, young and old, rich and poor, gay, straight, transgender, European, African, Asian, American. We have all been gathered at the water. We have all been considered believers. We are all full members of the body of Christ on earth. And each and every one of us are full partners in the ministry of reaching out to others with the love of Christ because of what our Lord Jesus did. And that story, that story ain't over. That story continues today. And that story is being acted out in your midst today. Katie and Abby and Cameron, like your great, 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 great grandmother in Lydia, we consider you 
believers and full partners with us in the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit has been working in your life, giving you faith, um, gathering you into the body, calling you into discipleship. We have been blessed to watch you grow. We've seen the promises of your baptism being fulfilled in your families, with teachers, with congregational members, by the church. And we celebrate today, yes, that God is faithful. You could not be more different from each other. Not possible, I don't think. And yet, you totally get it. Um, You hold the deep love of Jesus within you, and because of that, you hold it for each other, which is what we're called to do and be in the church. And we and I want you to know that we are so very proud of you. Um, I cannot wait to see how God takes three more of you and changes the world for the better. Each of our affirmands is going to speak to you today. Uh, As my kindergartner teacher, Mrs. McFarland, used to say, she usually was looking right at me, Put your listening ears on, class. I'm going to speak to you in alphabetical order. Um, please hold your applause and, until they are all done. First person to join us is Katie Hofler. Good morning. Um, how are you all doing? Good? Yeah? Yeah? Oh, the glasses are fucking up. Okay. Um, as he said, my name is Katie Hofler, and I'm an eighth grader at Hilliard Weaver Middle School. Um, and here are some facts about myself. I'm currently 14 years old, and I like to watch various television shows, mostly animated ones. And I'm learning the language Chinese at school, and it's a really fun class. And um, my Chinese name is Jen. And I also like to draw and read manga, which are Japanese comics. I'm one of the daughters of Jean and David Hofler, and I'm the middle child in my family. Uh, I used to live in Naperville, Illinois, and I moved to Ohio about two-ish years ago, and I started attending this church this year with the 7th and 8th grade affirmation group. Here's a Bible passage that has meaning to me. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verses 7 through 11. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim and so you have come to believe. This passage is important to me because everyone receives God's grace, even if you believe you don't deserve it or you believe yourself to be worthless or that you have to work for the grace. But it's still given to you. And one of the things I really like about Lord of Life Church is that we accept each other. As you all know, Jesus died and he raised up from the dead. Uh, This is good news to me because I'm able to make mistakes and be forgiven. 
Um, sometimes at school I get stressed out for various reasons, like the amount of homework I have or um, not understanding the material. I'm a bit of a perfectionist, and I always complete my homework on time, but I know it is okay to make mistakes, and I can be forgiven for my mistakes. I learned about this good news by going to church almost every Sunday, almost, um, since I was a baby. My parents were the ones that introduced me to the Christian faith, and I was baptized at St. Timothy Lutheran Church in Naperville, Illinois. I would have to say that my mom was the most influential person that helped me believe in Jesus Christ. She was the one always taking me to church, and part of the time she was even my Sunday school teacher. As some of you may know, when I'm older, I want to be a digital artist and animator. I love animated films and television shows and art, a way I think I could share Jesus with others and put some of his values in my animation and art would be to share his values in that. Um, and I think I could share Jesus also by inviting my friends to church occasionally. Let your light so shine before others that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This means to me that I should always be myself and do the right thing and help others in need so they, that they will also know the loving God I know. Now, everyone, please think of some ways you can share your faith. It can be as simple as being good to other people, like holding the door for someone. God is there for you, and you can be there for someone else. Thank you for your time. Hello, my name is Abby Moulton, and I go to Kilbourne Middle School. I play guitar, ukulele, and piano, and I like to write songs and run. I live with my parents and my older sister, Hannah. One of my favorite Bible verses is Psalm chapter 27, verse 1. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This verse is meaningful to me because it taught me not to be afraid to be myself. Over time, it helped me learn to not care about other people's opinions of me. And because I know the Lord is always with me, I'm proud to be a disciple of Jesus. I grew up going to church in Indiana before I moved to Ohio, so I was always surrounded by followers of God. When we first moved, we had jumped around between a few churches until we found this one. When I got baptized in fourth grade, I started to pay more attention in service, and I started noticing more examples of Jesus in my life. Some of the little things I'd seen every day stood out, and I began to appreciate everything I had. Knowing God's love and grace helps me see people differently. Not just my friends at school, but everyone around me I feel more connected to. I'm more aware that everyone might not be having a good day, and a smile could help make it better. Because of God's never-ending grace and forgiveness, I'm able to share some of his love with the people in my life. As a disciple of Jesus, I want to make a difference in the world. I want to make the world a better place and share my ideas with people. I think even if I help just one person, it would mean a lot to me to have touched their life in a positive way. One of the reasons I like songwriting is because other people can relate to my songs and feelings, and it influences their life in a good way. I don't have any idea what I want to do when I get older, except that I want to make a change for the better. Whether that's through writing music, helping the environment, or caring for injured animals, I don't know. Whatever I end up doing in the future, I want to continue to grow in my relationship with God so that I'm able to connect with the people around me and care for the earth God created. Being a disciple of Jesus has helped me want to make a difference in the world. I believe that if we all want to see a change together and through faith, we can make a difference in Jesus' name.
Hi, my name is Cameron David Oldricks. <clears throat> I go to McCord Middle School. I like football and wrestling, but what I love to do the most is listen to music. I especially like electronic dance music with large amounts of bass. And I like it very loud. <laughs> the kind of loud that shatters the glass on the framed pictures in my basement. And also, that I was playing the last night, and I had 25-pound weights that were holding the speakers up. The bass was kicking those back. <laughs> A Bible verse that has meaning to me is from Psalms 118, verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I like it because it reminds me that every day is a new day. Jesus dying and rising from the dead is good news to me because I know that the people who died before me are in a safe place, and I know I'll see them again. My mom, dad, Pastor Jim... Nathan Taylor and my other affirmation teachers have shared this good news with me. <clears throat> Talking at home and at affirmation classes about grace and forgiveness has helped me understand the importance of Jesus dying and rising from the dead. My mom has been the most influential in helping me believe the truth about Jesus Christ. My mom and I talk about faith and pray for people. Some of the ways I plan to spread good news are through my actions, such as going to the high school mission trip to West Virginia this summer. I think I will have the opportunity to share Jesus there. Offering forgiveness is another way I can share Jesus with others. I also hope to simply be able to offer a helping hand to others when they need it. I will look for ways to offer my free time and my strength whenever opportunity arises. Letting my light shine, like I was instructed at baptism, means being proud of my spiritual gifts from God and using them to help others. I encourage you to be proud of these gifts God has given you and use them to help others too. Thank you very much. Oh, knocked it out of the park. Sit down for just a moment. Get yourself together. Uh, thank you. Thank you all three of you for owning your words today and sharing them with us. Um, it takes a, a team. It took their parents and baptismal sponsors to bring them. It took a community to gather, and I, I want to take a moment to just lift up the names of a team that have mentored them all year long. Uh, Evan Cameron's our LIC student. Di McCullough. Catherine Rissier, another LIC student. Jody Schuld, who just moved. is really sorry she can't be here. Um, Jonathan Spiker. Nate Taylor. Camille Aldrich's. But there's one person who has coordinated and led the whole thing, and not just for now, but for the last six years, and that's Michelle Magis. Um, Michelle, is, uh, she's way too young to use the word retire, but she's retiring from this task, uh, and Di McCullough is going to step up and be leading next year with Nate Taylor. We're excited about change, whatever God does that, but we don't want a moment to go by without thanking Michelle, who for six years brought us organization and passion and a focus on the right things at the right time. Michelle, thank you for all that you have given to us. 